In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who comes to us so that He might show us the truth and we might reject falsehood. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, it's kind of an interesting thing uh, when you get into a book like Jeremiah that, that a lot of people don't read that that often. Um, there's not a whole lot of people out there that are like, well, you know, just the other day I was studying Jeremiah. Um, and, and if you do run into that person, they're probably trying to show off. Um, but but it, it's kind of interesting. You can sort of tell um, who people are when, when um, it, you say one particular phrase, when you say, hey, uh, turn to Jeremiah. Um, because uh, w- what you have is kind of three responses that are, are built in there, uh, three responses that people do. Um, if you tell certain people that are in church, like every Sunday, uh, what they, go, they do is they're like, oh, turn to Jeremiah. Okay, that means that Jeremiah... Um, That's after Isaiah, okay. Um, And then you have other people that, well, they're in church maybe once a month. Um, And and so, you know, for whatever reason. And you say, turn to Jeremiah. And they're like, crap. Oh, there's a table of contents, okay. Mm, Habakkuk, uh, Jeremiah, there it is. And then you have somebody else who, who just hasn't been doing this Christian thing for very long, if ever, and they hear a Christian person say, turn to Jeremiah, and they turn to the person next to them and go, are you Jeremiah? <laughs> and, and, and we do that because we, we, we kind of, uh, we don't want to be kind of caught in, in that we don't know where Jeremiah is, and so we're, we're kind of like, okay, what do we do? And, uh, and Jeremiah is uh, sort of an obscure book of the Bible for a lot of people, and, and so we're kind of like, oh boy, what do we do? Uh, and, and we're kind of stuck there with that truth of we don't know where to find Jeremiah in the Bible, um, and so we do have to go looking in the table of contents or you know, kind of sing that Bible song in your head if you ever learned that song that helps you memorize the books of the Bible. Well, Jeremiah, um, uh, specifically in, in chapter 26 here, he's having a pretty bad day. Um, you, you've probably picked that up from the reading already. Um, it, it's not good for Jeremiah. Jeremiah got up in the morning um, and God said, hey, I've got a message for you to deliver. And Jeremiah went, okay. And so he went and he delivered the message. And the response of people was not like good past, uh, good sermon pastor. Um, uh, the response of people was not even the, the slightly more nebulous uh, you said some interesting things in church today, Pastor. Um, instead, uh, what, what Jeremiah got was, You will die! Which is a little bit disconcerting. If any of you do that to me later on today, um, uh, just hopefully it's not all of you. Uh, <laughs> because that would be, well, tough. And uh, but but we, we're jumping into this uh, story at sort of a weird time, aren't we? It's sort of like when you start that movie or that TV show, and and it starts at that time that's sort of like a flash forward. You know, it it starts up and the guy is uh, tied up in the trunk of the car, and you go, I wonder how he got there. And that's really kind of what we're doing in this reading from Jeremiah, is that uh, all of a sudden we're seeing these people are like, you will die. But we don't have any clue what Jeremiah has just said that has made them say, You will die. 
And so uh, what's probably good for us to do is to take a look at the, the context there. And part of the context has to do with who Jeremiah is in the first place. And Jeremiah is this prophet who lives in the, the region of Judah. Judah is the southern kingdom of the, the Hebrew nation. And so uh, you, you have this Hebrew nation that was uh, unified under David and Solomon and... Um, then all of a sudden, right after Solomon, you have this civil war thing that happens. And you have north and south. And of course, the south is better. Um, right? Some of you are northern transplants and you're like, you better watch it. You, you shall die. Um, but but the, the south is, is actually, uh, normally speaking, kind of the better of the two. Because the north right away goes into idolatry, and then the Assyrians come by and they're like, hey, guess what, we're going to pick you off, and they do. And uh, they all get lost and, and taken away into exile. And their capital city is Shiloh. Remember that, that will become important later. Um, and, uh, and so they, they're taken off, and who's left is Judah. And Judah is like, okay, we survived that, we had this civil war, and then God obviously showed us, well, you know, whose side he was on. Ours, because they're gone. And so you, you have the people of Judah that feel pretty good about themselves. They, they feel kind of like, okay, well, we know what the truth is, and the truth is, we rock. God loves us. For real. And, and so they, they begin to do some stuff that, you know, when you kind of feel that you are uh, sort of over-secure, you, you start to make those mistakes. And Judah is beginning to make those mistakes, and they're not listening to what God has to tell them. They're not listening to the Scriptures anymore. They're not listening to the prophets that God is sending them, and uh, they're going astray. And so God is sending them a little uh, Instagram note in, um, in Jeremiah and saying, hey, look at this picture. There's something wrong with it. And it's you. And so uh, the reason that they're so angry, starting here in, um, in verse 4, say to them, this is what the Lord says, if you do not listen to me and follow my law, which I have said before you, and if you do not listen to the words of my servants of the prophets, whom I have sent to you again and again. You, you kind of get what God is saying there. Like, you haven't listened to my word, which I gave you. Can't say that I didn't give that to you. And you haven't listened to the prophet, who I have sent to you again and again and again. And you've killed them. So, good for you. If you, since you haven't done that, then I will make this house like Shiloh. Okay, remember Shiloh? Where is Shiloh? Shiloh's in, in the north kingdom, the baddies. And, and so he's saying, look, this is not good. You, you're going to turn out like those people that you feel that you're superior to. But I'm going to make you just like them. I'm going to burn your place to the ground. And it is not going to be pretty. And so he's, he's saying that, Then I will make this house like Shiloh, this city as an object of cursing among all the nations of the earth. And the priests and the prophets heard these words that Jeremiah spoke in the house of the Lord. And that's where our reading picks up. And, and so then, but as soon as Jeremiah finished telling the people everything that the Lord commanded him to say, the priests and the prophets and the people seized him and said, You will die. And Jeremiah is like, well, okay, I guess I probably should have seen that one coming. 
Because it's not really good news, is it? And, and it's not really good news for us when we hear God's words and we hear God pointing out the stuff in our lives. You see, we're a lot like Judah here. That we, a lot of times, we, we feel pretty good about the fact that we can find Jeremiah in the Bible. Um, or we feel pretty good that we at least own a Bible or that we've been to church in a while. And, and all of that stuff. And we get kind of, you know, pious about it. And we get sort of haughty and nasty. And uh, we begin to think that we're a whole lot better off than what we actually are. And then God sends us His Word and His Law, which makes us go, Oh, I'm a sinner. And I've sort of been playing around in this falsehood that I'm not. That I'm somehow this sort of person who is, you know, supremely righteous and God just loves me because I'm so cute. And the reality is that God is saying, No, I see the sins that you do. I see the sins that you're not rejecting. That's what this whole Lent is about for us here at University Lutheran, that we are choosing to reject certain sins and certain brokennesses of this world because we recognize that that is not what God would have us have. He he doesn't want us to sin. He doesn't want us to live in a broken world which is made broken by our sins. And so what we're doing as a church is we're saying, no thank you, I am going to run to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, whom I know has the truth. And that's distinctly different from the way that we normally sort of operate. Because the way that we normally kind of operate in this whole thing is that we say, well, actually, I'm pretty good, and, well, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Um, and, and so you have this sort of sense of that haughtiness. But in this season of rejecting, we're rejecting even that haughtiness, even that falsehood that says that I'm pretty good. And we're saying, well, no, I'm not. I'm a sinner just like everybody else. And I'm not going to get into the ridiculousness of trying to compare myself with some other person who I think is a greater sinner. So I'm not going to go driving through Frenchtown and going, well, thank goodness God didn't make me like that guy. And I'm not going to be going and saying, well, thank goodness that God did not make me such a great sinner as that person that I know from my class or uh, that lives in my apartment complex or whatever. We are saying we're rejecting that falsehood and we are concentrating on the truth that God is sending to us that oftentimes we haven't listened to His law and that oftentimes we have rejected His prophets and that we've said, Nah, it's okay. I don't need to listen to that today. And that's what we're rejecting. And we're not rejecting the prophets. And we're not rejecting the law. And we are looking at ourselves in the lens that shows us what we are, which is sinners. Which is uncomfortable. I mean, it's like looking at the mirror and going, Oh, dang. Like, especially, like, you know, you, you first get up in the morning and um, you're just not looking that hot. And you get up and you look at yourself and you go, wow, I need to take a shower and do something to try to cover this up. And, and that's kind of the, the sense of this. 
And so we continue going on with Jeremiah's story here, recognizing that we are the people of Judah here. That we are the people that, that God has said, look, if you don't watch it, you know where you're headed. You're headed like Shiloh. Utterly decimated and taken away to a foreign land. Uh, utterly destroyed in our bodies and taken to a place where we shouldn't be, that He didn't create for us, but that He created for others. And so God is like, watch it. You're, you're going to go to Shiloh, and Shiloh is not a good place. So then He continues... Um, and, and so uh, you have this interesting thing happening uh, as soon as they say, you shall die. That, like, uh, for some reason, apparently, the king's house was close because all of the judges were in the king's house and, and it was like they saw the bat signal. And, and they're like, oh, they're about to kill someone. We'd better get out there. And so all of the judges, they, they go to the temple and they're like, okay, what's the deal? Um, uh, you, you guys, just, we just heard, you shall die. Who's going to die? And, and they find out that, that it's Jeremiah, and they, they begin to sort of do this court case thing. And as they're doing this court case thing, um, uh, it's interesting. You really don't get a whole lot of information in what I gave you in the bulletin. That's the lectionary system. Praise Jesus. Um, we, we can talk about the lectionary system later. We don't want to make this too long. Um, uh, when the officials of Judah heard about these things, they went up from the royal places to the house of the Lord and took their places and at the entrance of the new gate of the Lord's house. Then the priests and the prophets and the officials said to all the people, This man should be sentenced to death because he has prophesied against this city. You have heard it with your own ears. And Jeremiah said to all of the people, The Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and against this city and the things that you have heard. Now reform your ways and your actions and obey the Lord your God. Then the Lord will relent and not bring the disaster he was pronounced against you. As for me, I am in your hands. Do with me whatever you think is good and right. Be assured, however, that if you put me to death, you will bring the guilt of innocent blood upon yourselves in this city and on those who live in it. For the truth of the Lord has sent me to you to speak these words in your hearing. And so, what Jeremiah basically tells to those judges who arrive on the scene is that you can do whatever you want to me, but this is the truth. Saying that you're going to kill me is not going to make this not the truth anymore. And so, somehow we, we kind of get into this thing where we, we don't want to listen to people that t- are telling us that we're sinners. And we get into this thing of, of saying, well, if I just ignore that person, you probably don't try to kill them, hopefully. Um, but if I just ignore that person, and if I just try to imagine that I'm somehow not a sinner, then, then everything will be okay. And I'm I'm going to just squash everything that reminds me that I'm a sinner. Because I don't want to think about myself as a sinner. And so I am not going to listen to anything that makes me feel that way because it feels bad. And there's a reason it feels bad. Because it is bad. And what Jeremiah is saying is, look, you can kill me, but you're still not going to feel better about yourselves. In fact, you're probably going to feel worse about yourself because you will have killed an innocent man who was sent to you by God. And, oh, this sort of reminds us of somebody else, doesn't it? So there's this guy, he's speaking a lot of truth to a lot of uh, religious officials. Uh, And he's walking around this certain um, area of Judea. And uh, he's he's speaking the truth and telling people that, well, you know, you kind of are sinners. Uh, And then, oh, people can only stand for that for so long before they say, well, you shall die. 
And then there's a big crowd that says, Crucify Him, crucify Him. And then they do. And right before they send Him away to be crucified, this Roman guy named Pilate says, I'm going to take this opportunity to wash my hands and symbolically wash the blood of this innocent man off of my hands. You see, we even tried to do this with Jesus. Because Jesus was reminding us that, uh oh, you're a sinner. And we tried to do this with Jesus in our own lives. I mean, it's sort of kind of just an issue for us when we see Jesus that sometimes it reminds us, oh crap, we're sinners. When we see that His hands have been run through with nails and His side has been run through with a spear and He's got this crown of thorns that we go, oh, I don't like looking at that because that reminds me of how gruesome and horrible my sins are so I'm just not going to look at it. But that's where it, it really does behoove us to look at the context here. Um, and the context right before what I read before is really kind of the good news. And the good news is true in this story as well. And the good news is this. It starts off in, in verse 2. This is what the Lord says. Stand in the courtyard of the Lord's house and speak to all the people of the towns of Judah who come to worship at the house of the Lord. Tell them to do everything I command you. Do not omit a word. Perhaps they will listen and each turn from his evil way. Then I will relent and bring on them the disaster that I was planning because of the evil that they had done. And so what we've got in there is God basically saying, hey, if you tell those people of Judah, if they just turn their ways, if they just start to do different stuff, that I will relent. It doesn't mean that everything is okay, by the way. Relent doesn't mean necessarily, oh, now you're doing okay, all right, um, you get a pass. It's just like, if you just kind of do some stuff, then I'll recognize that you're being serious about this. But they couldn't even do that. And we couldn't even do that. We've tried to change our behaviors, and we recognize how much in the hole that leaves us. And so what we really need is we need somebody who comes into our world, and who, when we say, you shall die, because he's pointing out that we are sinners... When we say, you shall die, that he says, do it. Kill me. Because that's the only way that this is going to get better. That's the way that I'm going to be able to get the Father to relent. Let me reject those sins. Let me turn from the ways of sinfulness for humanity and kill me. Put me on that cross, and I will rise again from the dead with your forgiveness of sins in my hands, and I will give that to you. And that is the truth as well. And it's a truth that can coexist with the truth of our sinfulness, that every time that we come back to this place, that we can recognize that we have His promise time and time again when we step into this building. That when we see that cross, that we see His truth. His truth that died for us on that cross. That when every, every time we hear, this is my body that is given for you, that we are recognizing His truth. That he gave himself for us. 
so that we would not be like Shiloh, but that we would be exalted with Him in the resurrection. We look forward to that, all the while rejecting sin when we can, because we know that that's what He would have us to do. Amen.